0: okay we okay.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I believe in the name of
0: Jesus
1: three, four, one, two, three, four.
2: We are not You can't mess it up because it's D the whole
1: time.
2: You
3: can go you know know D oh and we so so
0: can so, so, so uh second third.
3: Right. Yep, i the right edge. Yep, you're just gonna hold D and then I'm gonna
1: start I'm gonna start forest I don't know. I believe apply to apply the term. And then after we do that, that version, we're going back to the regular course, y'all. That's how we're gonna
0: end it. You you do a repeat
2: on that.
1: You got it. I'm gonna break it down. I'll break it down. You
0: know, if it's good, moves, leaks,
1: whatever we need. Verse two. Yeah,
3: Right, right. We're going to, we're
1: going to, don't do that.
3: I you guys?
2: doing youth ministry, I wouldn't say together, but our time in youth ministry uh, at other parts of the state uh, overlapped. Um, but he was uh, sent central Mass. And uh, so, I've known you for a while, so uh, um, if you're watching online, thanks for giving me the chance to step in here. Um, we're going to be looking in uh, Mark chapter 4, focusing on verse. John mentioned to me that you guys have been a little bit of a series on uh, what it means to be the church and the nature of the church uh, responsibilities. Um, and so I think my comments today will sort of be in line. This isn't part of his series, but I think my comments will be in line with uh, his thoughts on what he's going through there. Um, Mark chapter 4, verse 21 to 23. background, um, there are 40-some-odd parables. If you were to tally them all up in the Gospels, Jesus often used parables as a teaching tool to describe and help people understand the kingdom of God and the nature of the kingdom and what it means to be a part of that. And uh, parables were a big part of the the way he communicated that to the people in uh, Israel reported in the Gospels, there's over 40 parables that are reported. And uh, there are uh, are over 40 that are mentioned at least once in one of the four Gospels. There's like 30-something that are mentioned at least twice between Mark and Matthew, Mark and Luke, Luke and Matthew. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a lot of material that they share in common with each other, so they're often referred to as the Synoptic Gospels, because of the amount of material Share. Mark was the first of the Gospels written, and so both Matthew and Luke borrowed from Mark. They used Mark as source material when they wrote their own Gospels, which is why you would read through them uh, in close proximity to each other. you notice that there's a lot of places where it's very, very similar. In fact, in some places word for word. Um, so that's why they refer to them as, as the synopsis. The reason I chose this parable in particular is because out of the 40... That are mentioned at least once in the Gospels, and out of the 30 that are covered by at least two of the Gospels, there's actually only eight that all three of us, the Synoptic Gospels uh, record in their
3: edition
2: of the life and ministry of Jesus in their gospel. And um, my own personal impression. Mark, and Luke decided that they needed to include those parables in their edition of Jesus' life and ministry, there's probably something important that we ought to lock into with those parables. There's eight, and chronologically speaking, this is the first of those eight parables that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all report. And so that's why I wanted to sort of jump into this particular one and just explore a little bit the words of Jesus. To his disciples, to the people he's communicating to, uh, just to see and get a peek into uh, the, the kingdom of God, uh, the ministry of the church, and what it means to follow Jesus, uh, according to uh, Mark in particular, but we'll reference the other two as well. So Mark chapter 4, verse 21-23 says this, it says, he said, he said to them, do you bring in a lamb to put it under a bowl or a bed. Instead, don't you put it on its stand. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, I want to start off by talking about lamps, bowls, and beds. We're going to move on to talk about
3: lampstands
2: and lights, and then we will finish off with a little and seek. I know you didn't think that that's what you were going to encounter when you woke up this morning and got ready for church. It's just what you get when you're not ready for this. Oh, so let's start by talking about lamps, bowls, and beds. So, at first glance, the initial phrase and in the question here seems pretty awkward. Right? Who would bring in a lamp, put it under a bowl, or a bed? That seems pretty ridiculous. Even Luke, in chapter 8, verse 16, where he records this parable, uh, he says this, No one lights a lamp and hides it under a clay jar, or puts it under a bed. Now, we think, okay, clearly this is the case. Who would do that? No one. But oftentimes when Jesus makes these statements that sound utterly ridiculous, it's because there are cases where people do, maybe metaphorically speaking, do put a lamp under a bed or do put a lamp under a bowl. And he's trying to make a point to his audience. So as Mark writes his gospel, many commentators, and anyone who has uh, half a brain, would read these words, and they would see Jesus, or his teachings, or uh, his ministry, that is the light, that is the lamp. Right? In fact, the Greek phrases it, like, in the original language, the Greek phrases it like this. It says, does the lamp come in to be put under a bowl or a bed? Does the lamp or the light come in to be put under a bowl or a bed? And obviously, thing to clear Put it under something that defeats the whole purpose of this lamp the lamp or the light. But so would you put this understanding, this knowledge, this teaching under a bowl or a clay jar, or as Luke writes under a bed, as Matthew puts it under a basket? So, but before we really get try to dig down to the answer to that question, what did this lamp look like? Let's take a let's take a quick look got a picture. did a little research. So back in the first century, a lamp actually looked a lot like a bowl. A little pinch on one end. The way it worked is they would fill it with oil and then they would stick a wick. Uh, it could be wool, it could be linen. Uh, and they would put a wick in that lamp. So one end would be into the oil. The other
3: end would stick out of the end. And the oil would sort of travel up the wick. And so when you lit it,
2: So the, uh, the the Greek word here for lamp is luxos, right? So it's a clay lamp. It's just it's just, a, it's, just a, it's filled with oil. Uh, it's normally hung on a uh, on a lamp stand a luxnia. So you have a luxos in The lamp a luxnia is the post that a lamp is hung on. Uh, and this lamp could, uh, it would it just a small clay lamp. And often it was olive oil that was burned in these little lamps. Uh,
3: it was just a few inches high
2: and usually placed on a stand and uh, that would cast the light uh, just enough to give use, uh, allow you to be able to see in a dark room.
3: Now, I would imagine if
2: you, if you look at that anyone who's, uh, anyone, you don't have to raise your hand you had an accident from or you know the that I imagine if you have a lamp like this, if you have an accident-prone family member, you're not going to allow them to transport this lamp uh, anywhere because you have a lit lamp and you trip and fall with a bowl full of oil. That uh, it becomes more than just a lamp; that's, that's a bonfire. I mean, considering the material that they use to make the homes and a lot of the implements in the home, that could be a bad day for a family. And so. Um, uh, over time, they actually, if you look at the next slide, they are actually able to figure out ways to enclose the tops. I think they did this just for the accident family members who had a hard time uh, with their, their two left feet. Or, uh, and so you, but you would still, if you look, you'd still do more the oil into the top, and the quick of um, the front. Uh, pretty simple. Place them on a stand. Many homes had little cutouts in the walls. You put the lamp in that little cutout and sit there. Or they had lamp stands that would hang uh, the lamps from. And so Mark, um, as well as Matthew and Luke, are telling us that the lamp does not exist to be hidden or possibly even extinguished by a bowl or a basket. The purpose of the lamp is not realized when its light is hidden. Now, this much, I know, should be obvious, but the very fact that Jesus is making the statement tells us that there's something more coming, There's more to this than just the proper use of a lamp, okay? The bed that is spoken of here uh, is likely not a bed that you sleep on, per se. It's probably more of a reclining. So at meal times, uh, in fact, this is mentioned uh, in the Last Supper. We talk, we
3: read about how Jesus and the disciples were reclining at dinner. Oftentimes, Jesus was at a meal;
2: Pharisees were there, others were there. They reclined at the meal. They sort of lean back on one side, and they'll take food off the table that's nearby. The servants will come by and give them food. But if you look at this, this is set up uh, in this picture the way that, uh, someone, someone who probably had a little bit of money. Had a, a dining room, could have been set up like this. We have these reclining couches. they sit in chairs. They had these padded cushions where they would lean back and they would recline at the table. And we, we read this many places throughout Scripture. Jesus is reclining at the table. Others, the disciples, the Pharisees, whoever is at that may have looked something like this. Servants are coming in. They're bringing food. They're bringing water, wine, whatever the case may be for that particular meal. So those who are eating, they're reclining, not just sitting at the table. Uh, Food would be spread out in front of them. Uh, And so uh, you picture a dinner party, and some of the people are reclining. They're eating. They're enjoying the conversation. And at some point, people realize, oh, the sun is going down. Let's light a lamp or two. Servants come in, they have a, a lamp, they can lit it, and they're bringing light in, and as they walk in, they bend down under the under the reclining bed and stuff the lamp underneath the reclining bed. Now that is a very odd picture indeed. First of all, uh, you're not going to see much of the lamp under there. Second of all, if you have an open plane underneath something like that sitting there, you're up in a jiff, and you're thinking to yourself, what is this guy doing, putting an open flame right underneath me? You can do some serious damage to your dinner party. Talk about having a roast. Uh, not what you were thinking when you showed up for that particular meal, I'm sure. Now it seems like it's it's a misuse of the lamp. The misuse of the light. But listen, there are times when we, God's church believers, there are times when we mishandle life. And we may be guilty of hiding it, we may be guilty of. And we may even be guilty of mishandling the light in such a way that it does damage to others. Maybe we ignite fires that burn bridges and destroy relationships. Or maybe you yourself have been burned by those who Your experience with the lights has not been that. First of all, I'm sorry. But second of all, if we can properly use the light, it would radically change the way we see everything. Can you imagine Person sitting across from you, and you can see the spread of food on the table. There is something that uh, there is something to be seen that we cannot see until we have light present in the room. And so many, not this church, of course, but in so many places, there is a lack of lights. And part of our responsibility as a church, as believers, isn't necessarily to hand feed people at the dinner time. It's simply to illuminate the room so that they can see what the truth is about their options. Okay? So instead of acting foolishly with the lamp, Jesus suggests that men place the lamp on lampstand. So this brings us to the second part. Lampstand and light. So, Mark says instead, it's God's God. Instead, don't you put it on a stand. Luke puts it this way, the second half of verse 18, chapter 8, uh, 16, chapter 8, he says, instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. And Matthew says, uh, he, he puts it this way, he says, instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now here's what I say. The lamp and the lampstand involves you and me. According to Luke, it's for those who are outside of the house, so that they can see the light and come inside of the dark. And it is for those who are inside the house already, so that they can see who is there, what is there. In other words, the light is for everyone, not just a select few. So elevating the light allows more coverage for the light in the room. And Matthew goes so far as to also mention that a city on a hill, you've heard this before in Matthew's Gospel, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. So, when a light is hung up off the ground, or even like sits on a table, when a city is on a hill, it cannot be hidden, but it can be seen from great distances. One commentator writes about how uh, cities, especially cities that are set up on a hill, oftentimes would be built, the significant or important buildings in that city would be built with white limestone. Now, if you know anything about white limestone, uh, the way it reflects light can be absolutely brilliant. It is a glorious sight to see, especially even at night. They talk about how even on a moonless night, let alone when the moon is fully out, but even on a moonless light, in a place where you don't have a whole lot of light pollution, the light of the stars is reflected off of the white limestone, and it Blows this like ethereal bl- whitish bluish color and it's almost like a beacon on top of that hill that can be seen from miles away just the way that white limestone reflects even just this the light of the stars on a moon on a, on a full moon night it is it is brilliant to see this is what the people who are hearing this, message from Jesus. The, the people that have been gathered, they're listening to him speak. In their minds, this is what they're seeing. This is what they're thinking. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Yeah. I mean, that city, the one on the, that hill over there, that, those buildings that are made of that. Have you ever approached that building at night Have you seen the way it powerful the Rudolph. In Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6, God said to Israel, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. It's a pretty far distance for the light to be able to shine. If you reflect it well, we do that. You see, the followers of Jesus are to be lamps on a lampstand. They are to let their light shine. Now the light is seen in the good things that we do. And it's not a message that is dictated at an intellect, but it's a way of life lived out before others. And how we have participated in the disruption of that light, or the interruption of that light, or the disruption of shalom in our homes, done it in our neighborhoods or our communities or our workplaces, our schools. It's an important question to ask maybe, how have we gotten in the way of all that God desires to do? How have we covered the lamp, obscured the light, extinguished the flame? Because
3: from everything that the Gospels tell
2: us, people are drawn to the light. People are drawn in when they see a light somewhere. And if people aren't drawn to that light, there's a good chance it's because it's being obscured in some way or fashion. Now, as I was uh, reading up on lamps and lampstands, and doing a little bit of research uh, for
3: this message, I came across uh, a picture of a lampstand that was actually uncovered in an archaeological dig, uh,
2: probably like twenty or. Of it the bronze uh, lampstand. Uh, the dig was, was in Palestine somewhere, I don't remember the exact location, but it wasn't, it wasn't actually far, probably it wasn't far from where, in the grand scheme of the Bible, the Roman Empire, uh, not far from where Jesus would have been teaching this. And uh, so it's a picture of a Roman lampstand. Um, and it was uh, it was made of bronze, it was shaped sort of like a tree. You can hang a few lamps off of it. And when I found that picture and I was reading about the dig, the archaeological dig, I was just struck by the way, the fact that um, the Romans had figured out a way of hanging the light on a tree. Or Jesus. They say this was uh, from around the first century uh, BC. Romans. Mark chapter 4, verse 22 says this. It says, for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open." Now, this word hidden, this is, I heard out a little bit of like this, so bear with me. The word hidden here is taken from the Greek word kryptos, which I find interesting because it's actually not a first century reference to uh, a planet where an alien... And uh, gain strength from the yellow sun. Not a reference to Krypton or Superman, just the word Kryptos. Um, it's the word from which, uh, the Greek word from which we get our word cryptic. Okay. The idea of meaning something is hidden or concealed. The word concealed is actually the, word, the Greek word apocryptos. It's, it's a compound word. Um, this, this year is the same word, same root word as cryptos. And we also get the word apocrypha from that Greek word. The apocrypha is a group of books that are not part of the canonical scripture because their authorship could not be verified. This external wisdom, uh, wisdom, knowledge that came outside of the scriptures uh, that uh, was rivaling what Jesus was talking about here. Paul actually addressed it, many of the New Testament writers address it in some form or another. Paul addresses it in Colossians chapter 2 in particular. Uh, Paul never actually visited the city of Colossae, but he sent them a letter. The second chapter of that letter, you talk about uh, Gnosticism and Gnostics and uh, mystics who had filtered into the church, and had, we're talking about how there's this wisdom and knowledge that you can get if you listen for the voice of the angels, if you listen to the great spirits, you can gain this supernatural, mystical knowledge and understanding, and you can have greater wisdom than any of the the Jews or the Christians. Never had, it. you can have a new revelation of knowledge uh, that nobody else has. Yet.
3: And Paul was writing the
2: Colossians, the people who were attending part of the church in Colossae, he was saying, no, that's a Gnostic belief. Knowledge and understanding and wisdom does not come from angels. If you're hearing the voices of angels, uh, uh, double check things because that probably isn't the Says knowledge and understanding, true knowledge and understanding of scriptures comes from the Holy Spirit. If it contradicts other, other parts of scripture, it's not God.
3: So Paul was actually battling against a false
2: teaching that had crept into the church in philosophy. Now, the, the point is, is that both Paul and even Mark here, what they're, what they're suggesting is that there, there actually is this wisdom. This knowledge this greater, hidden, concealed, cryptic wisdom and knowledge that does exist? Except it's not. Doesn't come in the form of a theory. It doesn't come in the form of a way of thinking. It's not a, uh, a universal uh, theory that ties all of the theories together. That's not what this hidden, uh, this hidden knowledge and this hidden understanding is. This hidden knowledge and this hidden understanding is actually a person and that person's name is Jesus Christ it is intended for you to do your best and to set your light on a stand so that others can see it it is intended for those who are outside the house Uh, the light is intended for those who are outside the house so that they may pass by and see the light and want to come in out of the dark and out of the cold the line is for those who are in the house, because as Luke writes in verse eighteen, therefore consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has, uh, has a, ha, whoever has, will be given. Whoever does not have, what they have will be taken away. You see, this hidden knowledge, this hidden understanding, is not intended to stay hidden. It's not supposed to be hidden. It's only hidden. From those who lack the understanding of recognizing who Jesus Christ really was. So once we see Jesus for who he truly is, it unlocks, it opens up this world of understanding and seeing who our universe, our culture, uh, the world we live in. It changes everything. Because understanding who Jesus really is, who he really was, Son of God, died on the cross, rose again in three days. That is not intended to stay hidden. That is the light. That is the message. That is why you and I are here today. Verse 22 uh, in Mark takes things a step further. Verse 22, uh, whereas verse 21 spoke of the light. Which should not be hidden. Verse twenty-two requires things that are already hidden be uncovered. See, part of what we do as people who carry our lamp, carry the light. We put it this way: what I have seen and observed in one is too many churches is that a group of people get. together often. Places like this. It's standing base at the light that we have. But we don't turn around. And we don't let the light spill out beyond the house. We don't let those who are outside We're not trying to find it, right? right? We're, we're not trying to obscure. We're not trying to snuff it out. We're just impressed with our life. We're so impressed with our life that we forget that the whole. You see, we are to lift up our lamp for those, all those, because Jesus was lifted up on a tree for us. We lift up our lamp. We lift up our lights because Jesus was lifted up. A lamp, a light, lifted for the world to see. I would be remiss if I did not at least mention once the fourth gospel, the Gospel of John says this in chapter 12, verse 32. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the claim of death he was going to die. You see, Jesus was lifted up so the world could <coughs> brought close to him. And so we must lift up our lives, our lamp, our good deeds, our faith. So that others can see those inside the house and those outside the house. Right. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for these moments together around your scriptures. We're so grateful for the reminder that you are the light, and yet we have a responsibility to carry the light, to not stand in one place, to not gaze, not navel gaze at the lights, but to bring the lights into dark places. Give us the strength and the courage, Lord, to do just that. Give us the strength and the wisdom, Lord, to see where it is that we ought to go. Give us the strength and the courage, Lord, to step outside the four walls of this building with that light. Because we know Thank you for these moments. You and us as we go from this place, we're back next you. Thank you. I think uh, let me just uh, say a word of dismissal. May the Spirit of God. on